the Lord brought back that portion of the song to me. Time is filled with swift transition. None on earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. And uh, I began to think last night and this morning and praying and how it's in times of crisis, it's in times of turmoil that the ties that we have are revealed. The ties, what really ties us, what really the connections that we have. It's in times of crisis that those are revealed. And there's nobody that's tied to nothing. Everybody has some safety structure. Everybody has some support system. Everybody has some circle of of self-assurance or whatever it may be, but everybody's tied to something. And you think about boats that are lined up on a harbor. Maybe they're tied to docks. Maybe they're anchored. But it's when a storm comes. It's when winds start blowing and the seas start tossing that the, the tie is revealed. Amen. And if the, if the, the tie was just something loosely dallied around a dock, it's going to come unwound. Amen. If it was an anchor that wasn't, amen, sufficient for the weight of the boat, if the, the weight of the anchor was not big enough, that's going to be revealed. Amen. It's going to drag that anchor along the sea. But time is filled with swift transitions, and no one on earth unmoved can stand. Amen. We're all going to be moved. We're all going to be shaken. Amen. But he does say in Hebrews, it talks about something that will not be shaken. Amen. And I thought of the story today of, uh, of David and, and the, the, the story of his, his pursuit of God and his seeking after the Lord and how God had surprised him and completely turned his world upside down when he came and imposed on him his calling. And immediately he went back to his father's sheep. He didn't immediately go and, and, and take over a kingdom. And then after he went to his father's sheep, immediately he was called into the house of Saul, the man the Lord had rejected to serve him. And, and then from there he's, he, he fights battles and he's He's put in impossible circumstances, and, and pretty soon he's put on the run, and he's fleeing. And he spends approximately six to seven years fleeing from, from Saul, fleeing from the one who he was, supposed to, he was supposed to take Saul's place, and he's fleeing from him. And yet the Lord is not really concerned about Saul during this time. He's, he's not either just putting David through the paces He's in a time of testing, and something is being revealed. The, the crises are coming, and his ties, his belief systems, his character, amen, what he honors and what he dishonors is being revealed. And the way this takes place is over and over, Saul is brought within grasp of David's flesh, and David has the temptation and he's even prompted by people to act in the flesh because obviously 
He's, he's the one God is anointed to be king, and this is the one God is rejected. Amen. And the Lord is testing to see whether his own perception of being anointed is going to supersede his honor for the inflexible order of God. And, and so he brings Saul within his grasp. And it's very similar to when Noah is brought within the grasp of his sons when he, he does something wrong and he sins. And, and, and one of his sons takes advantage and indulges, amen, looks on the nakedness, on the weakness of his father. And the others, they turn their backs and, and cover their father. And in the same way, David is being tested because there is something that supersedes his calling. There's something that's greater than his personal anointing. As real as that may be, there is an overarching order that if he transgresses that, God has no place for him. And so God is testing him because this is how Saul was rejected. It was by transgressing the order of Samuel in his life. And if, if David can think that there is any occasion to transgress in this way, then God is going to know that he also is useless to his purpose. Amen. And so David is brought within grasp of his enemy. Amen. Of the one who's falsely accusing him. And over and over, he comes right up to it, but he holds back his hand. And he says, who am I? I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Amen. Amen. And he goes and from a distance. He calls out to Saul and he says, he says to Saul, I was within reach of you last night. Here's your jug. Here's your spear. Here's a portion of your cloak. Amen. But he's trying to say to Saul, I'm not out to get you. I'm not out to break the order. I honor the Lord's anointed. Amen. And Saul Every time Saul realizes that David is still in submission to the order of God and he realizes that it's evil that has risen up in his heart and he repents of false repentance. He goes through four of these false repentances. First with Samuel, he has this temporary remorse. Please forgive me, I have sinned. Now honor me before the elders. And then three times with David, he goes through this partial repentance, this really false repentance of remorse Amen. This sorrow that doesn't lead to a real change. Amen. And he says, oh, David, my son. And the remorse is genuine. The shame is genuine. David, my son, I can't believe I've done this. So do forgive me, son. Come home to me. And of course, David remains at a distance because he does honor that God has called him and he doesn't want his life to be extinguished quite yet. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So he keeps his distance, and he goes over into the land of the Philistines. And oddly, the Philistines are who David has fought more than anyone else, even up to this point. When Saul wanted to kill David, he said, You can have my daughter as your wife, but you have to go get the foreskins of, of a thousand Philistines, knowing that David couldn't do it. And David went out and did it. Amen. And Saul had given his daughter to someone else, so he gave him Michal instead. And, and so David is notorious in the land of the Philistines, but there is, there is this one king in the land of the Philistines who, who seems to be different. Amen. And, and in the 30th chapter of 1 Samuel, it tells about David's alliance with Achish. This, or I might, it might be Achish, or 
I don't speak Philistia very well, but amen. He, he has this alliance with this Philistine king and whatever else is wrong, the Lord has anointed this king to be a provision for David. And I think of this story my dad once read us about this man who knew that of all of the animals in Africa, the Cape Buffalo was one of the worst. Amen. He, he was one of the most violent. He was one of the most uh, brutal. Once he launched an attack, he never gave up. And this man knows this, and, and he is mauled by a crocodile and miraculously escapes from his life and drags himself from the river and he's bleeding and fire ants or their equivalent in Africa are all around and night is falling and and hyenas amen uh hyenas yes are are yepping and, and he hears them coming closer and he knows that he's going to be eaten to death because of the smell of blood and just as dusk is falling he sees this big shadowy creature coming up and it's a bull cape buffalo and this bull cape buffalo comes up next to him and and instead of goring him to death, he nestles up next to him and snuggles down, and he protects him the entire night and keeps him warm. This is a true story. True story, yeah, true story in Africa. Amen. And that's kind of how Achish was to David. He was a Cape Buffalo accidentally being used by God, amen, to keep him safe in his time of peril. And, and um, but this is a time you don't, a Cape Buffalo is not a permanent alliance. It's not a permanent station in life that you really want to pursue. It's a time of transition. It's a time between times. It's a, it's a gap between the calling of God and the fulfillment of that calling. And I've been told all my life by my mom and by my dad that transition is the most dangerous time in a person's life. Transition is is when the baby is not in the safety of the womb, nor is it born into the new world. It's in that corridor, that agonizing corridor of reduction. And David is in one of those times of transition. He's caught, and he's at this town that Achish gives him, and the name is Ziklag. And so he's, he's, he's in Ziklag, the place of transition. And, and he's, he's waiting, he's, he's waiting, and he's... The fire is still burning in him. He knows what God has called him to, but he's not yet ready to go there. It's God's will that he be here, but that has a, a very, that's a very tenuous grace. Amen. That's a, very, that's a very careful path that he has to walk. And somehow in the, in the course of his living at Ziklag, Achish tells him about a battle that he is going to fight. The Philistines are going to go out and fight battle, a battle. And for some reason, David gets it into his head that it's his duty to fight the battle of the Philistines for them. And so he says, let me go with you. And he's still living at Ziklag, and he leaves Ziklag, this place of transition, and he takes a further step into this, this world, this, this Philistine culture. And He's going to go and he's going to be brothers with the Philistines. And when he gets to the battlefield, the commanders of, of Achish get very offended. They know David. They say, this man is notorious. We, even we know the songs that the young women of Israel sing. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. <laughs> and, and who are those thousands and ten thousands except us? <laughs> and they turn to Achish and say, you know, this guy... 
is going to show his master how good he is by taking our heads back to Israel. <laughs> and they don't like this, this, uh, this fat fraternizing. They don't like this mixing of Israel and Philistia. Philistia. Amen. And, but David, he wants to prove his loyalty to this culture. And I believe wrongfully from the way it's put in the Bible, he's insistent that he wants to show Achish that he can fight just like any other man. Amen. And so Achish says to David, he says, you're, an, you're as an angel of God to me. He was an Elohim to Achish. He was, there was an honor. There was an aura around David. Amen. And he says, I honor you. I, you have done nothing wrong. You've never betrayed me. He says, but my men... They, they need you to go back to Ziklag. Amen. And David very reluctantly peels himself away from what would have been a tragic step out of this place of temporary transition and into blood alliance with this culture. And he goes back to Ziklag and he realizes he was gone a day too long or two days too long. For in his absence, the Amalekites, the perpetual uh, enemies, nipping hyenas of the people of God have come and they have utterly devastated Ziklag. Amen. The place of transition. Amen. The place, the temporary holding ground is of utterly devastated. And David is most devastated when he realizes that Abigail, his wife, the former wife of Nabal, is gone. And his other wife, they're both gone. And there is a great sorrow because it says, it says the days, three days later when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and the children, everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. Amen. They've lost their children. They've lost their families. Something has happened. Amen. Amen. I remember telling someone, you're in a place of transition, but you're going to lose your wife and you're going to lose your family if you don't get out of that place of transition and if you don't stay in it as long as it's God with the utmost care and carefulness to every word that he speaks. When David and his men saw it, they wept until they could weep no more. Amen. Amen. David's two wives, Ahinoam Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was in great danger because all his companions in their grief became bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to discuss stoning David. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Time is filled with swift transition. Amen. The people you thought you were, they were for you, just like that, are against you. Amen. And, and it's all because you stepped outside of the grace of God. Amen. And the devil, the devil was waiting for your vulnerability in this time of transition. Amen. And in, in one blow, he knocks you down. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. David, David, the Bible goes on and it says that David was in peril. He was, in, he was fearful, but he strengthened himself 
or he became strong, or he made himself strong in the Lord. Amen. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring to me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David said to the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, Yes, go after. David has somehow stepped outside of the covering of the ephod, stepped outside of the the will of God. And in just that split instance, amen, instant, disaster has come. Amen. And so he says, I've got to get back in touch. I've got to... I've got to come back under the covering of the Lord. I've got to seek the face of God. Bring me the ephod. And, and he prays. And he, no longer is it an assumption. It was an assumption that he was supposed to go with the Philistines. It was an assumption that he should persist and fight with them. Amen. But now there are no assumptions. Amen. Even whether he's going to go take back these, he has got to know that God is sending him. Amen. There's a certain way that the devil wants us to get caught up in doing for doing's sake, in busyness for busyness' sake. Amen. And that just becomes a distraction from the priorities that God has put before us, especially in times of transition. Are we vulnerable to be, to be distracted so that the enemy could come in and destroy us? But that's what changes when he comes back to Ziklag and he realizes he's losing his family. Amen. He realizes he's lost his kids. He's lost his wife. Amen. God, something's got to be reordered in my life. Amen. No longer am I moving on impulse. No longer am I moving on the schedule. Amen. There is only one priority, and that is to hear and obey the voice of God. Speak to me, Lord. And the Lord says to him, go back. Amen. And and to me, I tie his encouragement in the Lord with instead of caving in and turning on himself in his pity and despair, him turning out and saying, God, speak to me. Amen. God, penetrate this darkness. Amen. God, break through this despair. Give me a word and I'll walk in it. Amen. Tell me to stay and I'll stay in faith. Tell me to go and I'll go in faith. But I've got to hear a word if faith would stay alive inside of my heart right now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Lord began to speak to me this morning. Amen. The devil is waiting for those opportunities where we get just a little isolated from the body. Maybe the first step is the will of God, but he's waiting for those opportunities where he can knock us down. Amen. Where he can, he can pummel us to the ground. Amen. And, our, and suddenly Apollyon is standing over us. Amen. And we're in a hole. We're in a pit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The walls caving in around us. Amen. Amen. And, and, and the devil's telling us, sometimes it's true, most of the time it's a lie, but the devil's telling us, nobody trusts you. Amen. Everybody's turned against you. Amen. You're alone. You can't do this. Amen. And we're there in the pit. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Friday afternoon, this is a true story as well, a man was in his house with his brother and his father and his sister. Amen. And they were, they were in their house, a house in Florida. And suddenly he hears a cry, just a short cry from someone in the house. And he rushes to the bedroom of his other brother and he flings open the door. And before him is nothing. 
the very concrete slab, and it was a concrete slab, that that house stood upon, just where that bedroom was, had fallen into the earth. And all the contents of that bedroom were invisible. The the bed that his brother was laying on was invisible. Only the, the, the pencil post tips were sticking out. No, his brother's gone, just like that. Amen. And he leapt into the bed, and he's digging in the soft sand and earth, crying out for his brother, sobbing for his brother. Somebody called the police, and the police had to drag him out of that pit because they said in a matter of seconds he would have been sucked in with his brother. They did not get his brother out. Amen. From the outside of the house, there were no cracks. There were no holes. There were no obvious soft spots. Amen. But, but just, just 25 minutes waiting to get out of bed was his death sentence. Amen. Amen. The devil's got a sinkhole for everybody. The devil's got a worst case scenario for every single one of us. He's got a soft spot. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And where is that soft spot? It's when he gets us away from the pillar and the ground of truth. The church is the pillar and the support of the truth. The place where the truth is held up, the the canopy, the covering of the truth has a pillar where the structure of the truth has a support. There is a world out there where it has no support. Amen. Where it has no ground. And he's just waiting to isolate us, to take, make us take one step, maybe from a time, maybe from a place of God-given transition, take one step too far, and there's a sinkhole waiting for us. Amen. A sinkhole of despair. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we're lying on the bed And the devil is looking over us, laughing at us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we start to fight. And ha, 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 he laughs at us. You're on your back. Amen. And we call for someone. Ha, 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 you fool. Nobody trusts you. Nobody's there for you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And we're lying there. Amen. God, what's happening? How easy it is. Amen. Just, oh, poor, poor me. Nobody knew this would happen. Just trying to do God's will. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I thought of this passage in Colossians. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him thus, having been firmly rooted and now being built up, and established in your faith, just as you were instructed. Amen. I thought of this also in Hebrews. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. 
Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another all the more as as you see that day approaching. Amen. Amen. And the Lord began to tell me there is only one thing that the devil cannot laugh at in that pit of despair. Even if it's a momentary bout of despair, there is only one thing that the devil cannot laugh at. There is a lifeline into every lie of the devil. There is a rope of of safety into every sinkhole of despair. And that is your vow. That is your commitment. And that's what he's saying in Hebrews 12. He says, hold fast. It means tightly grip your confession. Amen. Amen. Tightly grip your confession. The devil's going to tell you people have betrayed you, and they might even do that. The devil's going to tell you you failed, and you might. But a righteous man can fall seven times. What's going to get you out of there is the very same thing that got Jonah out of his pit. There he is lying in the belly of hell, sloshing in the entrails of a whale. Amen. And he looks up and he says, I will remember my vows to the Lord. Amen. I will fulfill my commitments to the Lord. He grabs hold of the rope and that rope pulls him out. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Who can steal your crown? Amen. No one can steal your crown if you're holding fast to your vow. Amen. Your vow is your lifeline. It is your toe chain out of the mire of despair. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. David says this, Vindicate me, O Lord. I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before me, and I have walked in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I clean my hands in innocence, and I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. O Lord, I love your house, the place where your glory dwells. Amen. There is a camp of the Philistines. There is another support system. There is another community where you can feel mighty comforted and mighty accepted by Achish. But I will not stay with the wicked nor nor dwell in the assembly. Amen. Of the ungodly. I love your house. There is a place where I have a firm footing. And if I have slipped from that, I will remember my vows. Amen. And God is going to pull me back to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love the assembly. Amen. I will not forsake the assembling of myself together. This is where I am strong. Jesus spoke about the one who, he says, is the seed falls and it rises up quickly. Amen. He comes back to God quickly. He reconciles quickly. Maybe he's a man who doesn't like conflict. Maybe he's a man who wants to smooth things out. 
And so when the sword comes quickly, he says, yes. And he is overjoyed. He has genuine joy in the word of God. But he says, because he has no firm root within himself, when the trials and tribulations come, he is quickly blown over. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. What is this firm root? What are these roots? And what are these roots in? Amen. In Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8, he says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. He is, like a, he is like a shrub in the desert, and he shall be blown away. Amen. But he says, Blessed is the man who puts his trust in Yahweh. He shall be like a tree planted by the water whose roots will not fail him. Amen. If the church is the pillar and the ground of truth, then you've got to encompass the people around you. You've got to intertwine and tangle yourself in relationships that do not let you go when trials and tribulations come. Amen. Yes, God, the winds are blowing. Amen. Yes, God, this is hard. Amen. But I have an anchor of the soul. Amen. I have an anchor that has entered in that which is in the veil, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I shall not be moved. Amen. There is one thing that's going to take me out of this pit, and that is my vow. That is my pledge. That is my confession when I stood up at baptism and communion and I said, Jesus is my Lord. Amen. My job isn't my Lord. My feelings about myself being good, they're not my Lord. Amen. My positive buoyancy and unstopped personality, that's not my Lord. Everyone else's acceptance and glad handing and encouragement, that's not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Amen. And I have an anchor tied in Jesus because I have roots intertwined in the body of Christ and I will not be moved. I cannot be shaken. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He said in times of drought and summer, he will not fail because his roots are firm. What he's saying is when things on the surface are dry, when things on the surface are empty, there are relationships that are beneath the surface. There is some sort of life that I'm getting from my roots. Amen. There is a ground of my being that is nourishing me from beneath the surface of what meets the eye. Amen. That is my relationships in the body of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thought of these scriptures. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock. Amen. Amen. A rock. Amen. Whoever falls on this rock will be broken, but there is a rock. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. Many will see this. Many will see and trust the Lord. Amen. This falling was a lack of trust, but the rising 
was gripping that rope again and saying, God, it's about my commitment to you. You are trustworthy. You are able. Amen. I'm not letting go. How blessed is the man who has made Yahweh his trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Amen. And then again in Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's the song we started. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And don't forget his benefits. Amen. Don't forget his goodness. What's happened to that person who's lying on their bed in the sinkhole of despair? They've forgotten something. They've forgotten all the love of God that was shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Spirit and by all the kindness, all the mercy. But we will not forget. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Don't forget his benefits. You see, you're lying there, but what? there's something that's binding you. Amen. Isn't that what, what Hebrews says? Amen. He says, let us, let us lay aside every weight. There's something in us that, oh God, I can't believe this happened to me. Amen. And the Lord looks down into the pit and he says, it didn't happen to you. You did it. Amen. I can't believe this happened. It didn't happen. You did it, Jonah. And you can get out. But I'm bound, God. Yes, but you're the one. You forged that chain. Amen. You hammered it together link by link. Amen. You're the one who locked yourself on that bed. Amen. And you've got to be willing to say, Okay then, Lord, bring the sword of your spirit and start stabbing in this pit until every lie of sin that I want to cling to is broken. Amen. Nobody can get you out of that pit if you're still holding to the weights that so easily beset you and the sin that ensnares you. Nobody can get you out. You're going to have to part from the, those excuses. You're going to have to come clean. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to have to break the bonds. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Don't forget his benefits, who pardons your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Amen. You're in the pit, but there's a redemption from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. I have set Yahweh continually before me. Amen. Because he is at my right hand, I will not waver or I will not be moved or I will not be shaken. Amen. Amen. My authority is relinquished. Amen. It is the will of God, whatever that may be. He is at my right hand. I have nothing to prove, nothing to assert. Amen. The Lord is at my right hand forever. Amen. Therefore, I shall not be moved. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. David, when he encouraged himself, the Lord said to him, go and take back everything the enemy stole from you. And he arose 
and they pursued the enemies. They found someone who was left behind. This Egyptian slave said, I'll tell you if you'll swear to me not to kill me and not to give me back to my master. He said, I'll go with you and I'll show you these people. So 400 of David's men, there were 600, but 200 became weary and stayed on the other side of the the brook. 400 went and they utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Amen. They utterly destroyed the Amalekites. They took back everything the enemy stole. Not one child, not one donkey, not one ox, not one sheep. Amen. They got it all back, plus they got all the plunder of the enemy's camp. Amen. That was the last battle David fought before he took his crown in Jerusalem. Amen. And he almost missed it. He almost lost it. Amen. But he didn't stay in the pit. He grabbed hold of his commitment. Amen. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He came out of there, and three days later, a messenger came and said, Saul is dead. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Your test is finished. Amen. And it makes you think of Revelations when he says, Because you have kept my word to persevere, I also will keep you from the the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come on the whole world. And he's speaking not of personal tests, but of the tribulation to test those who dwell, or a great tribulation for this church, to to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Tightly grip or hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. Amen. Remember you're fighting for a crown, David. Amen. He who overcomes... He who comes over the pit, amen. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. Amen. Those identities are the same. Amen. Amen. That is my identity, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. Amen. The new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven. Amen. From God, the new name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody reminded me of the song Hannah did yesterday that says, Today, no condemnation abides to turn away my soul from his salvation, for he's in my heart to stay. When gloom and sadness whisper, you've sinned, no use to pray. I look away to Jesus, and he tells me to say, I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Amen. And what we say is, I'm not going to betray that blood. I'm not going to betray that commitment. I'm going to hold to the good confession. I'm going to renew my vows. Amen. And in the renewal, though I be in the pit of hell, I'm going to be lifted. Amen. The devil was laughing. He was laughing. But as soon as your mouth opened and said, I will renew my vows to the Lord, you wipe the smile right off the enemy's face. And he starts backing up. Amen. Because there's a connection, there's a love, there's a covenant that he knows nothing about. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 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 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What's the answer to every time I fall down? My vow. What's the answer to every time I fail? My vow. What's the answer to every time I think someone's not trusting me? Well, most of the time it's a lie. But even if it's not, my vow. Amen. What's the answer when it feels like the world is caving in? Hold fast to your vow, to your confession, firm to the end. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Though the devil rages, I shall not be moved. Though the devil rages, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. I shall not, I shall not be moved. I shall not, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the water. Oh, I shall not be moved. From the rock of ages, I shall not be moved. From the rock of ages, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the water. Oh, I shall not.